Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and today we're here to talk about the Coda NASCAR race. Uh, I am actually sitting here right now in Austin, Texas, uh, looking at the front stretch um, out this window, this little radio room here, uh, sort of right as they come on to the, the straightaway here, and the sun is setting on quite a eventful race certainly an eventful finish jordan uh how are you doing today i am doing very well jeff and i i just before first and foremost i just want to make sure that i i, I don't ignore this i feel like it is the elephant in, in the room and, and it really needs to be said jeff glock's biggest disappointment of 2022 was which organization track off racing <laughs> and they yeah. have been the best organization arguably Outside of maybe Hendrick Motorsports, who's got three wins, but consistently have been up front running while leading laps and today got their first breakthrough victory. Of course, I knew you were going to bring this up. And obviously, I'm completely prepared to I've been prepared for weeks, obviously, seeing how well they've been <laughs> running to uh, to point out. I mean, I even pointed out on Twitter today how what a bad take that was when Justin Marks walked in, by the way, um, he came up to me and said, you're eating crow, buddy. <laughs> um, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's kind of been a running joke between me and Justin, uh, who, I mean, I, you know, I, I went to elementary school with Justin Marks, um, and I, I can't say we've been like lifelong friends or something like that, but we knew each other certainly for a long time. And so he wasn't happy, uh, when he read in the athletic at all. I mean, immediately wasn't happy, uh, that, that I had said they were going to, um, be the biggest disappointment. And he said, this is going to be bulletin board material. Um, so it now, since they've been running well, um, it's been a running joke. I mean, I saw him the other day and I, I yelled out most disappointing organization and, uh, the same thing. I mean, it's so I've known I was going to have to eat this for a while, but I've also known Jordan that I should have something in my back pocket for whenever you brought this up. So I would like to point out that your biggest disappointment is was Alex Bowman, who has already won a race this year. No, 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 yeah, yeah. But hang on, in my defense, uh, we're not there yet. Alex, I don't think Alex Bowman was going to win four races. So, <laughs> oh, I come on. I'm no. owning mine. You have to own yours. I'm owning mine because mine was, you. I even said there, like, he's not going to win four races this year. And that's You said the biggest off. disappointment of the year was going to be Alex Bowman. He's already in the playoffs. He's already won a race. He finished that's second great. today. He could have won again today. That's great. Okay, can I ask you? <laughs> He's, you have to own it, Jordan. Gotta, no, they're not owning it. He's got to win four races to equal last year's mark. If he doesn't oh win four races, oh my gosh, the Jordan! Can I say this to you on that lap? We were, as the last lap was unfolding today, and I mean, I, I was texting this to a couple people. I like remarked a couple people. Like, did you did you flash like in your mind like? And I say this respectfully. Like, Alex Bowman is going to back into another one. 
Oh, like, absolutely. It, I was I, getting my tweet ready. Yeah. I was the, the final restart, Alex was fourth in the restart. And you know that Almondinger and Chastain were getting really, you know, dicey or they're bumping off each other. And Almondinger literally flat said, Hey, I'm gonna turn him. And I'm like, Bowman is gonna win this thing. And then he gets up to third and they start bouncing off each other. And I'm like, he's gonna do it again. Yeah, no, it certainly looked that way, and he thought that was the case, trust me. Uh he you know, he's like, I'm just going to race clean here and stay out of the way. And he would have won the race if Ross Chastain hadn't pulled off one of the all-time moves in terms of, like, bowling shuffleboard-type moves. Like, I've oh, never curly, I, I'm like, yeah. not ever seen this before, really, where, um, you know, you he took out the guy he was racing against, and then that guy took out the other guy, and they both cleared out, and he ends up winning. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not saying he's – Super well. First of all, he said he didn't plan it that way, right? Um, it's very clear he didn't plan it that way. But he's also not regretting it. He said, "Look, I mean, my first Cup Series win right there was right there for the taking, and you know he he's dreamed of this. He's gone after this, and you know we we get on people a lot for um, you know like oh man, I wish these guys would race harder or, or whatever, and you know how much is it really worth? They don't go all out. You know, there, there's been situations over the year." Years were like, man, that was his first cup win right there, or his first whatever, and and you know could he have done something more? Well, I mean, you you know Ross Chastain, it wasn't a clean move. Uh, he certainly knows he said it was going to affect his friendship with AJ Allmendinger, um, but the bottom line is he won the race. Uh, NASCAR, you know, NASCAR is set up this way; they don't penalize for that kind of thing. It's a self policing sport. Um, Allmendinger said, you know, you've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror, I'm, and I think Ross Chastain. We'll be able to live with that as he's in the playoffs. Um, he didn't take AJ Allmendinger out of a playoff berth uh, no. because AJ Allmendinger's running for Xfinity points. He took a win away from him, which I'm sure he would have loved. He didn't take Alex Bowman out of a playoff berth because Alex Bowman's already in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's it's not like he robbed somebody else. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they would have loved to win, but I mean, you know, at what point do you want to be like, look, you know? Uh, again, I, I I think you can say well it wasn't clean racing, but was it the move that had to be made? Was it the move that set up to be made in that situation? Uh, you know he's going for it, and he was also hit on the corner before yeah, that by AJ Allmendinger. So it's not like this was out of nowhere. I'm just gonna blast you. Um, he got roughed up himself to lose the lead. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's fair necessarily, but I also don't have a huge problem with it. It's within the confines of the system that NASCAR set up. And when you have this system, the the advantages, the benefits of winning are raised such to a point, you're almost a fool if you don't. And when you've never won a Cup Series race before, and we've talked about this in the podcast last few weeks, as, as looks like Chastain was going to break through, Trackhouse was going to break through. It's like you have to capitalize on these moments because you don't know if you're going to get this opportunity again. If Ross doesn't do everything he can today, you're, there's no guarantees that down the road you're going to be in this position again. And when you've got it before you, you have to do everything you can. And I thought Justin Marks had a really good quote when he was asked about this post race in the, in, the, in the press conference. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but basically like everything at stake with a cup series berth on the line, like you, you have to do it. You, you just have to, and you can't feel bad about it. And you can, you can, you can live with it. You're willing to live with the ramifications of it. That's okay. And I will say this about Ross. He's, been, he's long been known as a very aggressive driver. He's not someone who shies away from getting bumped up and beat up either. He kind of understands that's kind of a quid pro quo. And 
you know, he, he's going to put the bumper to people and people are going to put the bumper to him and he's okay with that. Um, I don't think what he did today was, I don't want to say it's clean. I don't think it was dirty though either. I think this is just hard nose racing. Honestly, this is what NASCAR wants to see. This is why they have the, 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 the playoff system the way it is. This is why they put them on these kind of racetracks at Lakota because they induce this kind of racing. And so when you, when you put people in this environment, this is the outcome. NASCAR road course racing has become more popular in the last few years because it's full contact, full body racing. This mm -hmm. reminded me somewhat of the Watkins Glen race between Keselowski and Ambrose in a way uh, where they were going for it, you know, on that crazy last lap. And, you know, it was just like, whoa, whoa, this is wild. Um, now there was oil on the track for that. So, you know, I'm not saying it's the exact same thing, but, you know, I believe just last week on this podcast, we were saying, boy, you know, track house, they're getting these chances, yeah. but they've really got to close the deal or else it's not going to come around. Like you just said, I mean, you, you have to take these opportunities while they were there. Well, another one was there today. So if you're not going to take it, I guess, why, why are you, why are you there? Why are you here? Why are you in the cup series? You to, to, to have people say, well, you're a real clean racer. Too bad you finished second again or whatever, but I really like that guy. He's a good guy. He races me clean. He, he never does anything that makes me mad. I mean, are you there to be, to make friends and, and stuff like that? Or are you there to win races? I mean, Ross Chastain has now put his team and their 128 employees in that, at that company, uh, into the playoffs, uh, in, in their first year together, you know, since Justin Marks took over all that stuff. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's big. It's, it's huge for them. I mean, this is the, obviously the former Chip Ganassi racing organization. Justin Marks said, uh, after the race that, um, about maybe 105 or 110 of the 128 employees they have were at Ganassi, um, last year. So, uh, obviously a large contingent of people, uh, are over there that, that stayed on and, and they stayed on so they could do just this and win races and be successful. And Ross Chastain saw that opening and he took it, you know, it's incredible what they've done. Uh, Justin Mark probably doesn't deserve enough credit for not just building a, a competitive team but a winning team and a team that has gone out week in and week out this year, because we saw it at Fontana. We saw it at Vegas, Phoenix. I mean, the list goes on every week. They brought fast race cars to the racetrack. That's not easy to do. And to me, this looks a lot like furniture row, um, you know, back in the day when they kind of came out in 2013 with Kirk Bush. And it was like, all of a sudden it was like a light switch flipped. And you're like, what the heck is going on with these guys? And then they had the off year in 14, but then number 15, it was like Martin Truex Jr., you know, second year there. Cole Pern took over as crew chief. And it was just like every week, all of a sudden, you're like, they're finishing up there. They're finishing up there. Is this team going to break through? And they built something. They, they found the right chemistry. And I think that gets overused a lot in sports is chemistry. And, you know, you can come over, you know, everybody feeling good and positive can overcome a lot of disadvantages. And I don't think that's always necessarily true because at the end of the day, talent and resources tend to do the best. But there's something to be said for what Furniture Row did and the, the caliber of people that had there and how everybody was, you know, the us against the world mentality. Trackhouse is building something like that similar, like, hey, we're all in this together, you know, kind of doubting us. We can do it a different way. We can think outside the box and what it's working. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And that's not easy to do in NASCAR because we've seen a lot of car owners come in and say, hey, I'm going to spend money and do this X, Y, Z. And they fall on their face and they fall hard. And Marks has not done that at all. Look, I mean, you know, I, you have to you have to recognize what what he's built. And look, it, it'd be easy to say, 
oh, he just bought, he bought Ganassi or he started a team and he got charters and then he, you know, the next gen car came along and so what, what's, what's the big deal about this, right? But I would argue that you have to have the vision to do this. And this is, you know, Justin is, is a guy who is, he's always thought differently. You know, he, he's all about like, sort of like the, the motivational type, um, you know, materials or, or, you know, the mountaineering stuff he's done is, is pushing himself mentally. Um, he's, he's very thoughtful and well-read and he, he just, he, you know, people keep saying, oh, he has a vision. I mean, but that's, it's true. He does. I, I, I remember, um, so this was probably, I guess probably 2018. I want to say 2018. I can't remember whether I told you the story before. So obviously this was, uh, after he was done, uh, racing and I was living in Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, again, we're not, I wouldn't say we're like friends or something, but certainly we've known each other for a long time. Uh, and you know, have kept in touch over the years and all that stuff. So he was coming to Portland with his wife, Aaron, and we were living in Portland at the time. And he said, Hey, you, you want to grab coffee, uh, with you and Sarah? So we went out and, you know, we were sitting there on this sidewalk outside of this cafe. And he said, what, what would, what would you say if I, if I said that, you know, I was thinking about starting a, a cup series team and I immediately kind of went into reporter mode. Cause I'm like, well, I don't want to influence this one way or, or another. Cause if he does start a cup series team someday, uh, I don't want to have any sort of like journalism breaches or something like that. Cause that's look you at know, you being ethical. Right? So that's good. Well, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. So I, I immediately was like, I, I don't really want to say one way or the other. And Aaron said, Jeff, be very careful with your answer or something. And, um, I was like, well, let me ask you this. Why, you know, everybody says the best way to, um, make money in racing is to, you know, whatever, start with the money, a bunch of money or the best so way to make a million dollars in racing is start with a big fortune. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, you know, I was like, why, why would you, why would you want to do this? Like at, at the time, it just seemed like anybody that would start a cup team, that's stupid. Like absolutely stupid. Like why, why would you, you know, there's no way to make money. It just seemed like a losing proposition. And I was like, what, why would this be different? You know, and he's like, well, I, you know, I, I would, I would be able to, you know, I would have sponsors and I would, you know, this is well before the whole pit bull thing. And I was just like, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. It doesn't just didn't sound good to me, but again, I, that's something I, so that's why I'm saying he has a vision because I, I couldn't see that. You know what I'm saying? Like with the, all the facts presented, yeah, you know, there's that new car on the horizon, all that stuff. I couldn't see what he could see, um, whether he had the resources or not. It just didn't seem like a good idea to me. It seemed like a foolish type thing. Um, you were doubting him then, just like you doubted him going into this season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fair to say. Fair to say for sure. Um, not trying to, you know be mean or something, but just, you know, you, you can't right, see though. it. You can't yeah. see it. I, and I couldn't see this season either. I could definitely, you know, go back to our preseason podcast. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll include you in this. We, we, neither of us had any, either of the track house drivers in our playoff picks. We had the exact same playoff picks. I did not see how they could be. I thought the new team, the, the, the teams with the most resources, right? Like the Gibbs and the Hendricks and, you know, people like that would, would be able to dominate the season. Penske, and yeah. you know, so far that you like you said, Trackhouse has been better than than most of them, if not yeah. all of them. 
and that to me is the story. I mean, obviously them winning is, is a big story in itself, but it's not like this is just like they popped up. We occasionally do see teams kind of pop up and get that win. We even saw Front Row, Furniture Road do it at Darlington with Regan Smith, you know, in 2011. But it's actually having sustained success week after week, going there, qualifying well, running up front, leading laps. That is a whole different challenge. And that is what Trackhouse has done. And to me, when you're able to show up at the race – Every week from race one to race what are we, six now, and you're you're one of the guys to beat, and you're looking at those guys going, hey, you know what? I mean, Daniel Suarez was our friend Bob Pockers' pick today to win the race, and it's not like it was a completely outlandish pick. It was like, I could see that, you know? That's crazy. They're running better than, than a Gibbs, than a Penske. I mean, the only team that the organization has really been running consistently better than them is Hendrick, and he's got three wins, and that's the two-time defending Cup Series champions. Yeah, I mean – I asked Justin afterwards in the press conference, like, I mean, I said, like, obviously I didn't see this coming. So how, why are you guys good? Like, why are you fast? Is it because your drivers have been this good all along and now the car is just showing that or you found speed and it's making the drivers look good? Like, why, why is this? And he said, you know, honestly, it's, you know, we're coming out of an era where you could engineer parts um, and pour a lot, bunch of money into them to be dominant in speed. And now it is the case that everybody has, you know, the same stuff. And so he said, this is a, this is a driver's car, but it's also, I think, I think his term was like a people car in that the people at the organization, when they really sit there think about it and look at it and study it, you know, they can make more of a difference, right? Um, it's not like they have special trick parts and stuff that Hendrick Gibbs, whoever doesn't have, they you know, they're, they're going there and, and they, with the same equal equipment and performing well. Now, Chevy, Chevy is off to a good start, you know, and, and they've certainly been a beneficiary of that. But they've got the car figured out better than any of the three manufacturers right now. That's on, that's unquestionable. Yeah. But I, I still, you know, you still got to go do it. Um, it. and, and I, I think it's, it's remarkable. Um, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll go back even to, you know, talking about the vision again. I don't, I, you know, when he picked Chastain, um, obviously, you know, he was going to stick with Suarez because Star, Suarez had started with Trackhouse. But then he picks Chastain. And I'm like, really? Wow, that's interesting. I, I would have thought maybe, you know, because he's such a sort of outside the box type thinker. I was like, I bet, you know, he's going to go somebody different than Chastain because is Chastain really, you know, proven it. Um, but all along, that was his pick. And, and you know, he was saying today it, it was it was Chastain the whole time. And uh so he had the vision of, of which two drivers to get for his team, you know? So you really, you know, you really have to, to just tip your hat at them at, at what they've, what they've done. I mean, it's, you know, credit where credit's due. It's, it's, it's been impressive. It is. And it, the question is, is how long can I continue this? I mean, it seems like oh, we keep week, week, waiting every week for them to yeah, fall I was just off. Say, every week. And it's like, Oh, I keep going and they keep doing it. They keep surprising. And, you know, I mean, Chastain, you know, is pretty good in the road courses. He, you know, if you go back and look at the stats, he was really fast in this race last year. He was one of the fastest drivers. That race goes to the finish. He's got a good chance of winning it. He was really fast at Road America last year. So him winning today isn't necessarily a surprise, surprise, but it was like they're doing it every week on different kind of racetracks. And it's – I don't know how long you can run it. You can ride this out for It's kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of the year. It's like you're, you feel like you're going to have teams that are going to hit on it early. Other teams are going to play catch up. Then they're going to surpass those teams that got it. 
And it's just going to be this up and down wave throughout the course of the year. And all, I mean, all you can really do right now is if you're track house is just ride that wave as long as you can and, and try to rack up as many wins as you can and, and keep doing this. And you look at how Suarez is running. I mean, I don't think either of us would be surprised if he got a win here soon because he's been very, I mean, they haven't had clean races, but they've had speed and if they could figure out the execution part of it, man, um, that, that's saying something. And, it's it's just really neat to see, and it's what we talked about with this car was what we're going to see these these mid-sized teams be able to, to rise up and punch above their weight class, and right now we're, we're seeing it, um, and it's not just track outs. I mean, again, Tyler Reddick in the mix today, um, and, and what Richard Childress Racing has been able to do, Eric Jones and Petty GMS um, Racing and what they're doing. It's like we're, we're seeing this across the board. These smaller teams are, are really finding that, you know, if you can – it's if you – you don't need the engineering know-how to make a car go fast. If you've got a driver and some guys, who can, you know, know what they're doing, you can make it happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, look, the, the two track house drivers led the most laps today. Um, Chastain led 31 laps and Suarez led 15 laps, all 15 laps of stage one. I, I honestly, I turned to, I was sitting next to Chris Knight in the media center. And once he got in that wreck, um, Suarez, uh, I, I thought that's, that's exactly right there. Why you don't go for stage points and a stage win. Uh, I get the temptation is there, but Suarez could have easily won this race. Now he, you know, went, he got the stage win and he went for the stage points, which is great. But then because he, he came out 20th, he was mired in 20th on that restart. He's in the middle of the pack and sure enough, he gets cleaned out. And his day is essentially ruined. Um, you know, he was able to come back uh, and and finish the race with no power steering, um, which is a, a monumental achievement in itself as far as a 20-turn road course. Um, really impressive. But, you know, he shouldn't have been in that position. And, uh, you know, I'm sure this stings for him as well. And, and Jenna Fryer asked a good question afterwards to Justin Marks. Like, you know, don't, don't you think this affects Suarez in a way? Because Suarez, you know, was the one that started up Trackhouse, took the chance on Trackhouse to go there, right? And, you know, he, Justin said, you know, I'm sure all along that Daniel thought he was going to get the first win for the company and everything. And, and to see Ross get it instead, um, you know, it's a, it's a team spirit and stuff, but certainly that's going to that's gonna sting. It's human nature that, sure. you know, you would want to, to win first and all that stuff. And uh, Suarez had the chance today. And, and I just feel like, why He's had I don't know chances across the board too. Yeah. Well, yeah, he could have won Fontana. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And that, and that's my thing is like, I understand that, you know, there's a little bit of, I don't say resentment. It's not the right word of, Oh shoot. That should have been me kind of thing and jealousy or whatever. But like Suarez has had his chances. Like they've had, you know, and that's some of that's on him too. When you go back to Fontana, I'm so, you know, <laughs> you know, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback, but there were some decisions made in the, in the last restart there that you probably could have done over and, you know, but I, I think if your teammates winning, it shows that the cars are there and it's capable, you know, it helps ease it a little bit of saying, Hey, we can do this. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's true. And, and it, it feels like if they keep running this well, obviously that Suarez is going to be in position. Now, again, we don't know if they're going to keep running this well, so we can't say that, but it, it certainly feels that way uh, that maybe he's the next first time winner. And, and it's astounding that, in the first six cup races of the season with this new car, there's been three first time winners, Austin Sindrick, Chase Briscoe, now Ross Chastain. And the, the one we all thought was going to be the first time winner this year, 
the, the next first time winner, Tyler Reddick hasn't won yet. Still feels like he's going to be there at some point, and now it feels like Suarez. So you really are having this dramatic uh, upheaval at this point. It seems like you know we kept saying, "Oh, how's a new car going to shake things up?" It's it's shaking things up. Um, it's definitely at this point. It's hard to you can't deny it. Um, and now twelve straight race winners, obviously dating back to the old car as well. Under the age of thirty, Ross Chastain is twenty nine years old. Um, I mean, it's it's. Uh, Quite the trend here that's going on in NASCAR. Something we're just really not used to. I, you guys can fact check me on this, but I feel like I've covered seasons in my career uh, where there hasn't been any first-time winners all year. I mean, or, or you know, maybe there was like a one, one guy a year, like a Chris Busher, you know, win a rain shortened or fog shortened race at Pocono, and that was the only first-time winner. But to have three first-time winners in an entire season, let alone three in the first six races, is just it's jaw-dropping. It's, it feels like we're cha- witnessing a changing of the guard a little bit. And we got the new guys coming in and really asserting themselves. And, and these younger guys are coming in and they're getting opportunities with great teams. You know, they don't have to go start at the bottom rung of the Cup Series ladder and work their way up. Ross Chastain, the exception. But when you're, you're Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney and you're hooked up with a Penske and a Hendrick and you, you're, you're immediately thrust into a situation. Now we've seen a lot of drivers not be able to handle that. And it just feels like you're kind of starting to see these guys come in. They're better prepared than ever before. They have, you know, not instantaneous success because a lot of these guys aren't winning in their first year. It takes you about one season. They're really going to get underneath your belt. And then they're doing it. And then this new car, I think it's fair to say, and Kevin Harvick had a really good quote this weekend about that and how these veterans have all of this experience, but they're so used to doing it one way a certain way in this old, that old car, it's really hard for them to kind of break those habits a little bit. And these new guys are coming in who, who don't, maybe don't have the experience, but that experience, the lack of experience is helping them because it's easier to kind of get used to this new car and not fall into old habits. I mean, that's certainly, certainly a way you could look at it, but um, you know, you also see some guys are just able to adapt quicker, no matter what their age. And some guys just, it just doesn't suit them. We've seen that over the years, multiple times, uh, when things change up. So, um, but I really do think though, that, you know, you made a comment about most of the guys, um, or many of the guys that have come in, um, are just kind of like get into great stuff. And you, you said not Ross Chastain. But I think we need to talk about that for a minute because the Ross Chastain story, you know, we talked about the chase Briscoe story and how incredible that was. The Ross Chastain story is, is equally, just uh pretty amazing pretty amazing the journey he's been on i mean this guy was in absolute you know back marker like xfinity type stuff right like just barely getting sort of the finishes you know kind of battling for 20th place in the xfinity series you know johnny davis motorsports he was there for a while um and you know to think that he could be in a position to be a cup series race winner on a good team, uh, even a few years ago is just, I mean, you think about the one, you think about even the opportunity he got, he was driving his RV and, and, uh, the DC solar guy had noticed him, uh, driving his RV and thought, I want to give that guy a chance with my DC solar sponsorship, uh, that turned out to be like fraudulent or whatever (laughs) charges. And he's in prison probably for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he got that, you know, Ross got that sponsorship. He wins that race at Las Vegas. Remember that, that, how 
cool and emotional that was for him. Just remember you know, Darlington the week, a couple of weeks before that though, when he was like, Harvick. Gar- yeah, Harvick and that mix up and, and Harvick kind of bad mouthed him afterwards. And that kind yeah. of really kind of helped push Ross Tain towards that path of being a fan favorite, if you will, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, it, he proved that he could go fast and in good stuff and he was, he was making everything he could out of the, the, the back marker type stuff or the less funded type stuff. But, you know, I mean, the guy, you know, when they say, Oh, you know, the watermelon, melon man, melon man, all the stuff. I mean, he's legitimately an eighth generation watermelon farmer. I mean, he's a farmer yeah. who happened to race. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, just to consider where he's come from, um, to get to this point, it's, it could easily be a movie and it's one of the better stories. Um, and you know, it's, it's also not totally, um, uh, you know, a feel good story in the sense that he, you know, he's ruffled feathers along the way. I mean, he's been, uh, an aggressive guy on and off the track. Um, you know, he's, he's hurt feelings. Um, things like that would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's not like he's like this, uh, you know, puppies and rainbows type story where it's all just, wow. I mean, you know, he's, he's a hard scrabble fighter type guy. He's been Um, through the car wash a few times. Absolutely. You know, but, but it ultimately it's paid off for him, you know? And, uh, it's, it's really, you know, there was definitely a time when we thought that kind of story was lost in the cup series. Um, you know, just sort of like the people bringing money and, you know, are we ever going to see these guys, be able to fight their way up again. And I think even when you look at, you know, an Alex Bowman, I mean, he was in a similar situation as Chastain. So Bowman Chastain, um, you look at Briscoe, just trying to get his chances in the first place, things like that. Like those stories give hope to the rest of the field that it's like, look, if you stick around and keep grinding, it's not going to happen for everybody. It's just not, I I wish life were that way that, you know, it directly correlated to, you know, your dedication and hard work, but some people, no matter what, it's just not going to happen. You know, they keep trying and, and for whatever reason, they don't catch the breaks, but there are some guys catching breaks and having that hard work pay off. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing for everybody to be able to witness, you know, I would agree wholeheartedly. It's a, it's, you need these kind of moments. I think that connection to drivers who've worked their way up kind of the cliche is, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and fought, and to, for better opportunities along the way, it, it was lo- It felt like it was gone for a long time. You know, it felt like a lot of these rides, these opportunities, big rides were going to to drivers who had sponsorship behind them or had, you know, money behind them. And, and it wasn't that case. And it feels like that narrative is kind of flipped. And it's still, you still see those guys get those opportunities to some degree, but you've got the Briscoes, you've got the Chastains, you, you know, and you're seeing that now where, talent at the end of the day is the deciding thing. And if you get that opportunity and you can make the most of it, you have an op- you have a chance to, to do something. That's to me, that it sounds really corny, but that's kind of what NASCAR has been about for a long time. And it, and for a while there, it lost its way. It feels like it's come back a little bit. Well, and, and Chastain, you know, it's, it's one thing to get the opportunity, but he kind of, he's sort of remade himself, you know, um, he's, been on like the Josh wise plan. Right. And he's been someone who has really taken this extremely seriously now. And I would say without, I mean, I don't think it's, it's too far off at all that if he was in this position uh, a couple times in this race today, late leading late, um, he would have done something 
over aggressive or prone. blown the court. Yeah, exactly. And like there a few was a years lot ago, of, he was somebody who made a lot of mistakes in, in situations. He was he was somebody who drove over his head. Right. Like when he got into the good stuff and he was like, I've got to drive. He, you know, he was driving so hard every lap all the time and he didn't know how to flip the switch, essentially. Um, and he, he's talked about this several times now, but if you guys haven't heard it, I'm going to go into a lot more detail of this um, in my top five column, I think, and and definitely on the 12 questions because we talked about that, too. I did 12 questions with him this weekend, so that was really good timing. That'll be out this week. I'm going to So we should credit you for maybe order. like motivating him, or how's that work? Definitely not. Definitely not. But this book did motivate him um, <laughs> that was given to him by Mike Metcalf. And it's, it's all about staying neutral, you know, and, and not getting too high, not getting too low. And as he talks about, um, you know, it, it, it seriously changed his life. And he said it, it, it's cheesy to say that, but he applied that to the race today. Like, you know, you have to, he said it, it, you have to work at it mentally, just like you're working at, you're working out physically. Um, and so in those, in those situations in the race today, he's telling himself, okay, get these thoughts out of your head, focus on what you're doing you know, get your stuff right in the car, you know, as, as he's driving around and leading and all that stuff. So instead of letting these thoughts creep in of like, Oh, what does this mean? Or I, you know, I'm brother the pressure getting to me or Alban dingers there or whatever. Um, he's trying to stay, you know, not get too excited about leading and not get too down and frustrated when he's lost the lead. You know, he's able to come back because of that. So, um, he's, he's remade himself into a real true professional race car driver, um, who can excel in these situations. Yes. And, you know, every once in a while, he kind of has those moments where he kind of reverts back to kind of that driver he used to be, you go back to Fontana. And, and that's, and that was a really tough race with a lot of really tough conditions and guys were crashing left and right, but he's got a really fast race car. there, running sixth late in the race, ends up overstepping it and crashing. You go back to Daytona 500, this was 2000. Wow. When did he, he drove a third car for Ganassi, you know, the 77 car for Ganassi. And he's got an opportunity in that race late and he's really fast and makes a really audacious <laughs> move going into turn one and takes people three wide and just ends up causing a wreck. And it's those kind of things. You're like, man, okay. You know, you gotta, you gotta get push that stuff away. And he's done a good job now of not getting himself in these moments where he gets, you know, oversteps largely. And it's, that's part of the maturation process. And now I think it probably helps the fact that when you've got good race cars and you don't feel like, okay, if I don't take advantage of this, I'm not going to get it again. It's like, you know, when your team's bringing cars every week, it probably helps the, it helps you settle in a little bit. I have a, this isn't really, um, sort of in, in terms of the flow of the conversation, but I, I just felt like I had to that's tell okay, the story. I have nothing else to say. So we're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I, I want to tell this story um, because, well, first of all, it, it's another one that kind of makes me look like an idiot, but also just shows I you how my favorite. how humble uh, Ross Chastain was or is, and uh, you know the, the humble beginnings, I guess. Uh, where where uh, anyway? So I was doing a tweet up at Daytona. Um, I, I can't remember whether I told you the story before, but I was doing a tweet up at Daytona, and you know, a lot of times, like the tweet up starts with kind of like a big crowd. And then, um, people kind of peel off after a while. And like, like today at Coda, uh, we had a great tweet up and Mike joy came, uh, that was really nice. cool by the way. Yeah. And so, you know, Mike joy was there for a while. Bob was there and then Bob, you know, need to get back in the garage and stuff. And, um, usually I'll just kind of linger. Cause I feel like I don't want to tell people to come out and say hi and then bolt before, 
you know, I've gotten a chance to talk to everybody or whatever. So, you know, this is one of these times in Daytona where I, I don't know, I waited, you know, 30, 45 minutes or something like that. I'm still talking to a bunch of people and I'm, there's about five people left and I'm just going on and on and, you know, my opinions about this and that, and, you know, who's going to do this and the rules changes. And I'm just like, you know, my ego's spouting off. I'm just blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so the group picks up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back in. And this guy walks up and I was thinking he's a fan. <laughs> and he goes, hey, I'm I'm uh, Ross Chastain. I drive in the Xfinity series. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you came to the tweet up? He's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt. I, I've been here the whole time. And I just, uh, I was listening. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't introduce you to anybody. I didn't let you give you a chance to talk. He's like, no, I, I enjoyed listening to what you had to say. And um, there was like, like literally like four fans left or something. And, and he, I was like, this is Ross Chastain, everybody. He drives an Xfinity series. Like, oh, hey. You know, they took pictures or whatever. But like he, you know, that was like how uh, like anonymous and low key he was that I had like no idea who this guy was. And, uh, like I could, I had no idea who his face. I think he had a watermelon hat on, but again, like that meant like nothing, but, um, you know, just total humble beginnings and a uh, very humble, low key person. I mean, he kept saying in the press conference tonight, like, I, I don't think of myself as this way. Like Justin Marks, I guess had said to him on the front stretch, like, do you believe now? And he's like, uh, like, he's still, he's like, I'm not yes. a good road course racer. I'm not a good, you know, he, he doesn't he's not going to toot his horn and say, I'm a great driver and all that stuff. He's just, uh, doesn't view himself that way. So, um, just, uh, not, not your typical driver. I, I, I feel like, but quite, quite a good story. As I said, yeah, the one thing that really we were, we were talking about his journey is I think it needs to be said is when he lost that ride with Chip Ganassi racing and so you work so hard, right. To get that opportunity with the big team and it came for him. He took advantage of it. Wins that race in Vegas. And you're like, wow, okay. He's going to be full-time in the Xfinity series in 2019, big things. And then it goes away for things outside of his control. But really easy to be really bitter, to be really angry, to just, you know, lose your way. And he didn't do that. And it was, uh, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And he basically almost kind of, in some respects, had to start over again and went back to a smaller Xfinity series team. And then, Decides he's going to run for the Truck Series Championship with Nice Motorsports, who I think we can all agree we didn't really know what the heck Nice Motorsports was at the time. <laughs> and he ends up winning races for them. And then remember the Iowa. Remember he wins at Iowa, which is going to be like that victory that was going to put him in the playoffs in the Truck Series, and that gets taken away. He's the first guy who, to lose a win by NASCAR's new inspection process. And it, this, you keep getting knocked down like that. It had been really easy to be pissed off and angry and say, you know what? Well, he got he got passed over too. Yeah. Um, when Larson lost the Ganassi that ride, they true. went with that Kenseth is, yep. instead of Chastain. Yeah, that that is a great point, and it, it just would have been really easy for him along the way just to say, "Screw you!" I'm you know I can't do this or I give up or whatever, and be really angry about it. But I mean, the Ross I met a few years ago that I I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of. To me, is the same Ross it is here now, and it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see people when they get knocked down, not, not get discouraged and able to continue on their path to what they want to accomplish. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite a story for sure. Well, let's talk about the racing in general today. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, obviously like, you know, stage one, there was no cautions and no know, lead changes, no lead changes. Right. Right. Suarez led all the, all the laps. Um, you know, I guess, 
there ended up being a lot of cautions and it was, it seemed, uh, excessive, right? Because some of the stuff is for debris. Some of the stuff are for sort of spins or, you know, getting dust on the track or, or whatever. And, and, you know, we, and we've talked about this, but it just seems like there's situations where local yellow cautions could serve NASCAR better. Now they, they don't want to do them because I guess they want to stay consistent uh, with how they do yeah. cautions at all the tracks, but dang, like they don't want, they do not want safety workers on the track when vehicles are moving at speed. And that's fine. But other series do it and they are able to conduct their road races in less than three and a half hours. This, this was a road race that was three hours, 26 minutes from what I'm looking at today. That, that is excessive for any race, but for a road race, it just, it's too long. It's too long. And so the way you, you either, you either got to take the laps down and have fewer laps in the race, or you've got to figure out a way to, to speed up these cautions because around a 3.4 mile track with 20 turns, whenever you have a caution at all, um, there's really no easy way to do it, I guess. Um, and it, it just takes time and it just, sort of makes the race drag at times. Now, obviously it's, it's set up for some really good restarts. Those restarts when they come over turn one are unbelievable, uh, with them fanning out like that and, uh, all the action that you see. Um, and, and you had some great battles for the lead, uh, you know, Almendinger and Chastain and, uh, you know, it, that, that was really entertaining and obviously a heck of a finish, but you're just kind of like, Man, I mean, there's so many road course races on the schedule now for NASCAR. I wish there was a way they could figure out to sort of, you know, speed this stuff up. What are your thoughts? I agree. I mean, I wrote about this in my mailbag this week on The Athletic of just length of races is, to me is a huge issue. Um, when races start running over three hours, that's not good. Um, they need to be around three, 3.15. And when you're pushing it, that that's – you have to maintain – I mean, it's it's – I, I'm not dismissing the people who go to races at the track because that's not the case, but the view at home matters a lot and you've got to be able in this day and age to, to keep their interest. And we all knew like you could kind of see how this end was going to come. Like there was going to be some fireworks of some kind, but how do you convey that to a casual fan when they're like, Oh, restart bumping and banging all oh, this guy spun out. We have to have a caution. Like why? And it's just, how do you keep that casual fan interested in, in this when it's just like rack them up, restart, rack them up, restart. I don't know what the answer is. I've had conversations with people about, you know, local yellows and can you do it? And they're, you know, they, I, people in NASCAR tell me like if cars are on the track, we're not, if, they, if there's a car stranded on the racetrack, we are not having a local yellow because we have to send out a record vehicle to get them. And that is, you know, and they will tell you. Well, that that it's, is- it's not necessarily, I'm not saying it's, it needs to be for the car on the track, but I mean, there's but situations we saw a lot where of that debris, though, yeah, there was a lot yeah. of standard cars. I mean, there was about three yeah. Stenhouse, the 27, and I, and I feel like I'm left someone else out there as well. I mean, but we saw that a lot today where it's like, what, what do you do in that instance? I don't know what the solution is because it, it keeps happening, but I, I don't know how – the only way to curb it, I guess, is to to cut the laps. And then I, if that, that's, I guess, what you need to do, you need to do. Can I give you a stat? Please. And I get I get that people don't like these comparisons, but today's Formula, Ra- Formula One race in Saudi Arabia – was more than two hours shorter than the NASCAR race. The time of the Na- the Formula One race was one hour, 24 minutes. And again, what I'm looking at for the NASCAR race was three hours, 26 minutes. Um, I mean, I, I look, I'm not saying you need to make a NASCAR race to be an hour and a half, but 
like it doesn't it also doesn't need to be uh, now I'm seeing okay three hours twenty minutes for the NASCAR three hours twenty one minutes okay it's same same point but um look I mean what's wrong with a two and a half hour race I mean nothing can you can you aim for that like you're still getting a lot of action in there uh, it's still you feel like you had a full day if you came to the track you could have cut an hour off this race and I think you would have been fine you would have had a lot talk about and you're right in that it would have come down to the same type thing anyway because it always comes down it always gets crazy at the end of, of this kind of stuff right so yeah i don't know i think i think they need to look at the race lengths especially at road courses and i think they need to look at potentially figuring out a way to do y- local yellows when they can i mean you know there's got to be a way to do this stuff i mean they figured out a way to do a, a race inside a, a football stadium so they can figure out how to do local yellows if they need to you're getting no argument for me on that. It's it's a pet peeve of mine. I think I think shorter races across the board, whether it's a road course or an oval, is something that could probably be best served for NASCAR going forward. Because I just I look at some of these length of these races, and it's just like, what this is this is way too long. Yeah, um, but did you like you know what you saw from Coda? I mean, I, I I'm really glad <laughs> they gave Coda another chance, just in the yeah. sense that um, last year I was sitting in this pretty much same room after the rain race that really you know, turned out to be sort of a disaster. And I was thinking, man, I, I said on the podcast, I, I just hope they get another chance to run this in the dry and show what Coda's all about. Um, I, I think you got that today. Personally, I'm not saying it was the most thrilling race ever, but what, I mean, I, I liked it. what do you think? It was, it was fun. I mean, the, the finish was fantastic. I mean, the finish was everything you want at, at a road course and that kind of action. I thought the first, I thought largely the first two stages were just okay. There was moments of really good competitive racing. You had um, Austin Sindrick and well, I have to go back and look at my notes here, but in stage two, you had some really competitive racing and, and making passes and everything, but it just kind of, I, I have come to learn that Coda is not maybe the best racetrack for road course racing in general. Like it's way too forgiving and guys can't, if they're not, there's the risk versus reward is way too skewed because there is no risk. Like if you push it and you spin out, you're not hitting anything. You're not crashing. You just spin out. There's way too much runoff area. It's a slower track where you can't carry a lot of speed. Yes. You've got two long straightaways, but you're not carrying speed through a lot of the corners and everything. To me, it's, it's not the best for maybe stock cars. And I thought today's finish was fantastic. The third stage was really good. But more often than not, the cars got spread out. Um, there wasn't a ton of side-by-side racing. Some guys were able to make moves at times. Um, I just, it was fine. And I thought the interesting thing was, is we, this was get a lot talked about. This was the first race on a road course with this new car. And we've all heard, like, this car was designed for road course racing. And and it, I, I didn't see the car transform the racing into, like, this amazing way today with the racing today was very looked very much like what we've seen on road courses typically and to some degree and i don't know i was just I, what we just kind of like shrugged my shoulders i wasn't I, I didn't think it was horrible but i wasn't amazed by it by any means and then i think in the last you know 25 laps or so i think it kind of turned and it, it was much more interesting yeah i mean i i disagree with you i i thought it was better than that um i i i thought it was a great race for stock cars or, or, you know, the track was a, a, you know, it suited them very well. Um, I was real, I remember coming here for the first time and looking, you know, back in for an F1 race and, and looking at the corners in person and being like, Oh gosh, how are they, they could never race NASCAR here. They would never be able to, you know, make these sharp turns like that with those big, heavy cars that, 
kind of wheel hop and just lumber around. And I think that you did see the next gen car play a factor in that today because like in that really sharp turn 11, uh, they could, they could race through there. They weren't just like wheel hopping and spinning out. Uh, when they go up into turn one, they, they seem to be able to turn and not just run into each other. Of course they ran into each other a few times, but they're going five wide through a corner, you know? Um, and you know, I, I, I do think that you're right. There's, there's a, a lot of runoff area, but part of that was they took the curbs out in the S's and, um, that was really surprising that they were going to do that and, and have the judgment calls be in NASCAR's hands. Um, you know, the drivers were, got an email that said that NASCAR was not going to take out was, it was going to be the same curb setup um, and, and uh, turtle setup and stuff as, as last year. And there was curbs through the S's uh, all the simulation that, that the drivers and teams did was based on that. And, um, you know, they, they worked hard on, on that. Then they all did their track walk on Friday, uh, which, which I did as well. And they were all looking at the S's like, um, there's no curbs here. I remember I was walking through with Bob and Alan Kavana and, and Bob was like, weren't there curbs here last year? And sure enough, you're looking around and all the drivers are like, there's, there's no curbs. The, the drivers we talked to in the bullpen this week, um, they said everything they had done was based on that and and it, that it completely changed like harvick said i think his quote was like that that it almost made him want to puke when he got here and he didn't see the curves because they he had done all this sim time he said his quote was like hundreds of hours collectively in the industry based on running sims um that were they thought the the curves would be there in the s's and then all of a sudden you could pretty much run straight through them and it was going to be up to NASCAR to say, okay, four tires were over or not over. You could even make an argument on the last lap. Um, I think that, that, or coming on the final restart that Chastain took the lead from Reddick because, you know, did he cut below, um, did he have all four tires off, uh, when he went through the S's, they didn't call him on it, but you know, drivers had said in, in the bullpen, oh well, gosh, this is going to put a lot of stuff in NASCAR's hands for probably some late restart. Um, and you know, it's, uh, <laughs> so I, I think there could have been some punishment essentially had they left those in there, especially with the next gen cars being so low. But then of course we're talking about even more disabled vehicles. Um, <laughs> and so then our complaints about, oh, well, you know, there's too many cautions and you know, there's no local yellows, um, that would have come in even more into play, I guess. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but, um, I thought Coda suited them well. And, and I'll tell you this, Jordan, they, they were selling tickets here this weekend for next year's race. It has not been announced yeah. that they're coming back here, like officially in some sort of formal press release, but they were selling tickets. And even today, um, as I was sprinting down pit road to the, uh, care center to get Holmendinger, I haven't run that long. That is a big track. Um, got, got your steps in today. Oh my gosh. I I was, that was a long, I, I was so out of breath by the time I got to the care center. But as I was running down, the PA announcer was telling the crowd and fans, what a finish. Don't forget you to get your tickets for next year's race and come back and see this again. So, I mean, they were actively selling tickets for the 2023 Coda race. So I, I assume they'll be back. And, um, I mean, I, I'm glad for it. I think this is a great town. The facility is beautiful. Um, I, I ran into that. a couple drivers in the bathroom today because, you know, they have like their 1948 club. Yeah. So for those who don't know, you know, the there's no more drivers meetings and 
so what they've done, NASCAR has done is they've set up this sort of VIP reception right before the drivers walk out to driver intro. So they first walk to wherever this club is. And today it was in the same building as the media center in uniform. And then they go straight from that to driver introductions. So there was a couple drivers in the media center bathroom. I don't, I don't want to, cause it wasn't like on the record, but, um, we were just exchanging notes about the track and how much we liked the facility and stuff. And they're like, yeah, last week we had to go to the bathrooms and troughs before the race. And this week we're like, there's like enough porta pot or there's enough urinals for everybody. This is amazing. So well, things that I matter, mean, baby. <laughs> I mean, this facility, they've, they've thought of it's it all, Jordan. It, it, it is. Beautiful. It's a great facility. I mean, it's a yeah. formula one. It's a world-class formula one facility. And I, I've been there with her for the first time in September and it's great. It's fantastic. And I will say this. I think we can both grin this. This sure as hell beats the hell out of another race at Texas Motor Speedway. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Of course, you're right. I mean, um, even maybe I maybe I wasn't as enthralled with the first two stages as maybe some other people. And again, wasn't hating it by any means. Just wasn't as captivated as I maybe normally thought I was going to be. <laughs> sure, man. I'll take this. I'll take this any day over a race at Texas Motor Speedway. Well, and just from a fan experience, I mean, they had a great, great, um, you know, they, it wasn't really this way last year because it was right coming out of COVID. And, also monsoon. <laughs> yes. But I'm what I was going to say was in the fan zone they had today. I mean, they yeah. had, it was like a huge fair. Like they had um, human cannonballs and roller coaster, yeah. like a roller coaster set up and dogs jumping into balls. And I mean, there was a lot of energy. People were cheering as we were walking to tweet up at some jousting nights for my son. Yes, Calvary. yes, exactly. I mean, they had a big blowout. It's and then an the other, the other thing about this track that I really love even more than like a Sonoma or Watkins Glen is and I, and I walked out for Xfinity race. I walked out for the start of the cup race today. You really can control your own destiny of where you see things because you can see both sides of the track. They really cleverly designed this. So where there's a lot of places where you could see like, turn one and two, like where they come up out of the hill. And then you can also see them come out of the stadium section and go through the carousel. So it's not like some distant thing. You can, you can stand in one area and see them essentially go through both sides of the track. You can't see the whole track from one spot unless you're in the, the huge tower, obviously. But, um, you, there's a, you know, a general admission ticket here. You can really see a lot of the race and different angles go through the S's. Um, and I, I really love that, you know, fan wise, I think like if I was going to come to a road course as a fan, I, I would come to this one. Uh, I, I just, I think very highly of it. I like Austin as a city also. It's a good, it's a good place for NASCAR to be. So I'm glad they're, mm-hmm. I'm glad they're going to come back, but it is time to weigh in on the, was it a good race poll? Uh, I've taken a four to two lead here, Jordan. I don't want to so, be too early, Jeff. I'm trying to save myself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Um, this, this is a tough one though. I'll be honest, because as you said, it, it wasn't like, you know, there were some parts of the race where it was, it was a little bit strung out or there, you know, there wasn't a bunch of cautions, but then it, it got chaotic at the end. There might've been too much, too many caution laps, but then you had an insane finish that was really like, you know, going to get people on their feet. Um, so it's tough. It's, this is, this is a, this is a very tricky one. I would say very tricky one. Um, ah, man, I, I don't really know what to go here. I think I'm just going to pull out a number and just say 84%. Mm. What were you thinking that? I was thinking 82%. Um, I, I think this is a really hard one to rate. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the finish and what people are going to remember from this race was, 
a memorable finish. You know, what you want to see. Yeah, there was some drawbacks to it, but you got at the end of the day, the payoff was there. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go just to give a little bit more separation. I'll go 80%. Oh, 80. Okay. Yeah, I had okay. 82. I was originally going to go 82, 83, uh-huh. somewhere in there, but I'm just going to give it a little bit wider gap. You know, play a little nice. Go 80%. Obviously, uh, you know, I disagree with your strategy on playing nice. I disagree with but... everything I do. Well, okay. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach, you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jordan, let's talk about the Formula One race. Now, um, the the be- the best way I kept up with this was you should have seen all the people that tweet up standing around streaming the race on their phones <laughs> as as the tweet up was going on and as we were like having a conversation and they'd say oh Ricardo just went out of the race or like oh this just this just happened um, you know Hamilton couldn't take advantage of the pit stop and all this stuff so I, I was kind of getting updates on it but I I didn't get to I watched the start had to go out to the tweet up and really kind of missed the race um, obviously. Both you and I in our in our predictions, um, our F1 predictions this week, we talked about how Max Verstappen was going to come back and uh, Red Bull was going to come back. They had a good showing, unfortunate for Checo Perez. It seemed like he was going to really have a shot there and got caught out, um, I guess, on, on one of the safety cars. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrari, another good week. Mercedes, not a good week. Since I didn't watch it, why don't you give us your impressions of what went on in the F1 race? It's very clear that the way this championship is setting up right now, it's Red Bull versus Ferrari. It's Max versus Charles. Um, and you may see me, there's some people in the mix and everything, but the championship right now, those those two are the, the co-favorites, Charles and Max. Mercedes has got a world of issues. Uh, Hamilton seemed like a head case this weekend. Like he went in there, knew Mercedes was going to struggle, is having its issues and couldn't get it, couldn't move past that. Badly outqualified by his teammate, George Russell. And in the race, Hamilton really didn't do anything. He fought his way up to finish 10, but it was never a factor. I mean, they, they went for the Hail Mary, different, completely different strategy to try to you know give him at least a fighting chance. It didn't work out. They had no speed in their race car. Max and Red Bull look really, really good. The, the battle between Charles and Max came down again to the last few laps, and they're, they're fighting for the lead. It was a respectful, hard battle. It wasn't like these, you know, these moves where you're like, oh, is that, you know, is that is that questionable or like that? It was like clean, hard racing. It's good to see. Didn't put it into the officials' hands. Um, so I don't know how you can't look at the last two weeks and say one of those two guys isn't going to win the championship. So it's pretty clear that right now they're head and shoulders. Ferrari backed up their first and second place finish um, last week and, and finished second, third today. Um, I will say this, McLaren, not good. I mean, they didn't have speed in their race cars either. They they 
what, what they showed last week, they, what they didn't show last week, again, they didn't show today. Um, so there's clearly a line forming of, of who is where right now. And in that hierarchy, it, it's Red Bull and Ferrari. Interesting. Well, I, I do love the uh, the very respectful battle between Leclerc and Verstappen, um, both last week and this week. Yeah. I mean, you, you see them uh, sharing sort of like a mutual admiration uh, or mutual respect, at least, um, you know, sort of the, the handshakes afterwards. And it, it just seems so, uh, quite the departure from Verstappen versus Hamilton, uh, where it seemed like they were just going to be like, I'm sending this in. And if you wreck, you know, I'm going to make you lift and kind of thing. I mean, these uh, with Leclerc and Verstappen, it just seems sort of like, look, we're trying to race as hard as we possibly can. Um, and maybe it's the new car that's that's allowing them to race a little bit better. Yeah, um, it seems like the drivers have too. been, yeah, it, so, it sounds like they've been in, in praise of that. Um, but the other, the other part of it was, I mean, um, man, what a mess F1 was this weekend with the, the missile oh. strike six miles from the track in Saudi Arabia. And then, um, F1 didn't seem to handle it that well though. And the drivers clearly, it seemed like they didn't want to race. Um, you know, cause they had stayed there until what was it? Two or 3 AM local time that one night, according to the reporters who were there with meeting with the, you know, the team principals and F1. And then, uh, there was a report from the BBC that came out and basically said, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sourced, but it basically said dry, you know, drivers and teams, it was indicated they might have trouble leaving the country should they not race. So Saudi Arabia maybe put some sort of a you know, vice grip or, or something on them. Saudi Arabia would never it. do such a thing, Jeff. How outrageous. <laughs> that would that would be so out of character for the Saudi dictators. But so, you know, I guess the question is, do you, you know, they obviously have a contract, but do you go back there? I mean, I mean the drivers I, are not too happy. They shouldn't. But, but what is there to suggest about anything about Formula One's long history under previous ownership or even the recent history under Liberty Media? They are cash grabbers. They go where the money is. They will go where who writes the biggest check. And they're not the only one who does this. I mean, FIFA and the, the Olympics are just as bad. But if you can cut a check, it doesn't matter in what country. It doesn't matter about human rights violations or anything else. If the, at the FIA, in Formula One is showing that they will turn their back, whether it's going to Russia or China or anywhere in the Middle East. They do not care. They will say they care. They will put up a big front. But at the end of the day, do they really, really care? As long as that check clears and it's got a lot of zeros on it, they'll race in your country. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They may, they may not make any like decisions now, and they may like you know, kind of let things cool a little bit. But there's no, there's no reason to even give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to be there next year. Yeah, well, I, I can't remember whose tweet it was, and I apologize for this. It was I can't remember if it was a fan tweet or somebody – retweeted this on Twitter. I really need to like mark these down so that when I bring them up on the podcast, I know because I, I feel like I say this a lot, but somebody had a great tweet this weekend that said, you know, NASCAR's policy is to stop oh, a yeah. race. If there's lightning within eight miles of a racetrack and formula one is racing on with a missile strike within six miles of the racetrack. So it's, it's ridiculous. And to sit there and say that, Oh, we're going to guarantee you guys are going to be safe. We're going to take every security measure possible. There, I'm sorry. You can't guarantee that. This is a missile strike. I mean, how are you going yeah, to they're guarantee? like, oh, don't worry. The missile strike wasn't directed at the track. So yeah, it was just at the oil refinery. It's, you know what? I mean, it's it, just the, the, the level, the lack of common sense involved in all of this, the decision-making is just ridiculous. And 
obviously when you're in that situation on a Saturday and you're trying to make the calls and everything. And I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge of this. I can just, there's other examples in other sports leagues. Like it's the way, leaving these countries when you want to leave on time, it's, it's funny how quickly your, your, you know, your flight plans can change. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so there, there's truth in that, you know, it's not completely far fetched. So maybe the, it's hard not being there, but just to say the best course of policy is let's, let's just get through this damn thing and let's just move on and get out of here as quick as we can. I, I don't know, but there, there needs to be a, a real hard look at this and say, what can we do better instead of just going to these places where we know there's all these issues and turning our back. But again, there, there's no reason to believe that it's going to be any different. And, and again, they're not alone. Well, um, I promise we're going to cover the, uh, the Brad Kozlowski uh, RFK racing penalties. I'm, I'm going to write about that in my top five. Um, already got some uh, comments from Brad Kozlowski up on the, the athletic. Um, so check out my top five column for more reaction from this weekend. I'm going to talk about what the driver saw of the penalty. Um, in addition to all, all the things we saw in the race at Coda today. And I'm also, as I mentioned, um, I did three 12 questions this weekend. Um, next week was supposed to be, uh, or this week coming up was supposed to be Noah Gregson and then Ross Chastain. But, uh, obviously Ross Chastain is really timely now. And I think people are interested in his story and it, it was a good 12 questions. So I'm going to move that up to this week, flip flop, um, Ross and Noah. So again, check out, check out that out on the athletic on Wednesday. Um, and you can, uh, for those who are subscribers, you can listen to it Wednesday as well. Um, everybody else will have to wait a week, uh, if you want it in the free feed, but you can read it and listen to it Wednesday if you are um, a subscriber to The Athletic. So I'd encourage you to do that. You can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown to see all the latest deals and see our work as well. Jordan, um, you, your mailbag was great this week. Uh, your Atlanta reaction got a lot of uh, interesting chatter there So uh, from the drivers talking about that and everything. So um, plenty more to come, of course. And uh, what's next? Richmond, you going to Richmond? I'll be at Richmond. We'll be there. Be fun. Short track. First short track race of the year. Daytime race. Daytime race. Daytime race. race. Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And then uh, right around the corner, Jeff. Bristol dirt. <sighs> All right. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> Everybody, uh, Jordan, it was great to talk to you. Everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.